Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Music, 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 music. Da 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 da. Na 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 na. Batman. That's the you are my number one guy, except for the even older Batman. Yeah, super old Batman. We're walking up walls here, like we're climbing up buildings. Isn't that Spider Man? No, I mean when Batman would like throw the thing, the hook, and like he would like they would film it sideways or flip it sideways, but he'd be walking on. Right, right, right. It was very high quality effects back then. Yeah, Adam West. If you guys don't know, Uh, welcome everyone to another episode of the Command Zone. We are past our golden years. We are on episode numero 51. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And uh, today we have a fun topic, and we also, we should let you guys know, have one episode this week because GP Vegas is on the way, and uh, we will we be very might busy. Have, we don't know exactly how Vegas is going to work as mm-hmm. far as we might do an episode there. That episode might come out this week or next week. We're not sure. We're going to play that a little bit by ear. So um, officially... We only are promising one episode this week. Yeah, but unofficially, you know, it could happen. We don't know. It could happen. We're definitely going to try and record a podcast while we're at Vegas with all yeah. the uh, <clears throat> all the awesome people that are going to be there. So that's very exciting. But today we're talking about one of Josh's meanest decks. It is Joyra of the Gitu. Yes, we have alluded to this deck before. We haven't done a ton of like mean decks. I think we did the Gaddick Teague deck with Alex Kessler from yeah. the Masters of Modern. Uh, that was very early on. So this is going to be. This is not a nice deck. This is <laughs> some people may not like it when you play this deck. This isn't one you pull out very often. In fact, how many times have I played this deck, Jimmy? Maybe only five uh, or six. I played it. Yeah, <clears throat> I haven't played it that often. It usually wins when we do play it, uh, unless someone has like a very good counter to that deck in particular. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is very powerful uh, and it dominates. So it is a definitely a good good deck. Um, but before we do that, actually, Josh, I wanted to ask you: Are you going to be playing that deck at the GP Vegas Gathering? Uh, well. I may bring it. I haven't decided which of my decks I'm going to bring, but the gathering itself, very exciting to announce that we have our venue. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's the date for the gathering we've said uh, before, but it's Thursday, May 28th. It's going to be from 7 p.m. until 1 a.m. It's going to be at the Plaza Hotel, which is in downtown Las Vegas near the end of Fremont Street. We have a banquet hall there. Um, What you can do is in the show notes, there is going to be a Facebook event link. And any listener is welcome to come. 
uh, and you can go to the Facebook events. We'd love it if you signed in and let us know that you're coming just so we know how many people to expect. And uh, then you just bring your EDH decks and you can come sling spells with us and mm-hmm. or draft conspiracy. Draft conspiracy. Draft there's gonna chaos be, conspiracy. Oh, there's gonna be lots of stuff. There's gonna be a number of personalities from uh, the magic community there, like the professor from Tolarian Community College, Reverend and Fuego from BJ Shea's Geek Nation, uh, Alex and Ben from the Masters of Modern podcast, some of the Five Commanders podcast guys. And uh, Jason Alt and some of the Brainstorm Brewery crew are also going to be there. Yeah, and I've extended invites to other people, uh, both at Wizards, uh, some of the friends, some of our prior guests on the show. So we have lots of people that could potentially be attending. Uh, If you guys don't know where the Facebook event invite is, it's going to be in the show notes. We'll also tweet it out at CommandCast, and it'll be the information will be readily available. So if you have any questions about what's happening, uh, where it's at, how to get there, etc., best ways to get there, feel free to send us an email, CommandCast at RocketJump.com, or tweet at us. Uh, at CommandCast, and we'll get back to you about that. Yeah, I think very, very good idea to follow us on Twitter, at CommandCast, at JF Wong for Jimmy, at Josh Lee Kwai for me, just at least through this week if you're going to be in Vegas and you want to hook up with us uh, to play any games or, or come to the gathering. It's just going to yeah. be a really good place to keep up to date on everything. Yeah, also throughout the weekend, because I don't think Josh and I are going to play more than a few rounds of the main event, we will be hanging out, uh, doing side events, also just playing EDH with people uh, where we can fire a game up. So there's going to be a ton of space at the convention hall, and we'll be tweeting out where we are and stuff. So that's also a great way to keep track of us throughout the weekend. Cool. And speaking of magic content personalities who are going to be at our party Woo-hoo. we actually have a friend on the line here uh from the five commanders podcast we have phil deluca hey how's it going pretty good phil pretty thank good, you phil. for joining us on the line via the skypes oh yeah thanks for having me on it's been uh it's been very difficult listening to you run through the intro and uh you know at, at, at the peril of revealing be- something behind the curtains just staying silent <laughs> through all that when i'm like yes i want to play at gp las vegas too yeah <laughs> well you're going to right mm-hmm. that's absolutely i'm i'm kind of panicking because i'm deproxying all of uh my you know my my really casual decks and i'm i'm building uh one of my uh favorite decks a Karametra deck which i swear isn't that mean but everybody else thinks it is um <laughs> and uh and uh, pl- yeah i'll kind of i'll kind of go into one of one of uh the things i want to talk about today actually one of one of my buddies is going to be there today too uh sorry at gp las vegas too well awesome and your buddy is he involved with your new project why yes he is um so the reason we have phil on the show is because he has a new project coming up it's very exciting uh first off phil when is that what's it called let's let's start there well, it's it's a brand new podcast, and it's called Commanderin, um, and that's like a commandering, but without a G at the end of it. So it's just Commanderin, and it's available right now. <laughs> Sweet. Do, the, okay, so first of all, I'm guessing by the title that it has to do with Commander and the EDH format. Is that correct? Yeah, and uh, it's a, another commander-oriented podcast, and we take a different tack than we did for the five commanders, and um, even a different tack from what you guys are doing. We're kind of focusing on uh, the community, and by focusing on the community, I mean we have a lot of um, content from the listeners. We always bring up a deck. We bring up some of uh, their advice. They might have some top card lists, and of course, all of their comments, and, and so we take a community-oriented tack, 
and we plan to involve the, the, the community members, our listeners, in every one of our podcasts. Oh, that's very cool. So are, are we saying that some of the deck lists that you're talking about are coming from like listeners of the show? Yeah, well, what we've been doing is uh, since we haven't uh, we we haven't launched and yet we needed community content. There were a couple of people I know out there from uh, the Five Commanders, including Sean uh, Sean Marvin. Oh yeah, Sean. Sean's mm-hmm. a local guy from yeah, uh, Mister E Meat Four Thousand, I believe. I think Sean's from Wainai. Exactly. How's it, Sean? How's it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sean. Um, and so what I did was I kind of reached out to a couple of listeners and I asked them for advice or maybe a deck that was related to one of the decks that we were talking about. We actually opened with a Dragon Lord Silumgar deck uh, in part because um, one of one of my co-hosts, and I, I should have introduced them already, I'll get to that in a minute, but one of my co-hosts is this incredibly you know control-oriented Demir player. He's so mean. <laughs> is this the guy that's coming to our gathering? <laughs> No, actually. Um, oh, so, darn. Uh, let me introduce darn. them. I've got two, <laughs> I know, right? I've got two co-hosts. Uh, one is a quiet, kind of mad genius named Nate Burgess. Uh, he took a break like me from magic for longer than most of our listeners have been alive, I think. And he's the one who's going to be at GP Las Vegas. Oh, um, cool. I convinced him to start playing magic after kind of a... Uh, uh, let's say a, uh, a little debauchery when he came to visit um, last year. And he's been playing online ever since, and he plays an awful lot. I think he's played more total ma- uh, more total games of Commander than I have at this point. Uh, and he's really smart. He's a great game brain. We worked together when I was making multiplayer games, and um, he's he's just fantastic. Uh, our our other player is um, uh, uh, Sean Watson. He's a belligerent Englishman that we met when we were. <laughs> uh, playing games with the five commanders community and this guy this guy also whip smart he has deadly decks he is the demir player right he just loves control and no matter what colors he's playing it feels like he's playing black and blue it's horrible it's <laughs> it's horrible it's so mean <laughs> it sounds like you've assembled a uh, uh, a team around you that uh, has a lot of combined knowledge about the game which which is always a good start yeah, they're they're great guys. Um, they're fun, uh, hopefully fun to listen to, and and definitely awesome to play against. And I keep trying to get you guys to to kind of join us online if you can. Um, uh, you know, Nate has. <laughs> you you, you hear that sharp intake? Yeah, the sharp, sharp intake of, of uh, breath, breath. As yeah. I as I thought about going to like fifty bots and buying each card for three cents each, <laughs> and then asking myself, wait, do I need foil versions of online oh, cards? Too? Don't start, Jimmy. You can start buying <laughs> yeah. foil online cards. <laughs> I'm just messing. But Jimmy, would you double sleeve those cards? If it was possible, <laughs> I totally would. And I guess the equivalent of double sleeving in Moto would be like backing up your database. I don't know, but it's all safe. It's all online. online. Yeah, it's, it's not your online. database. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. So, um, <laughs> Phil, what? Like, let's let's talk um, a little bit of specifics here. What days are you guys planning on to release? Do you know that? Uh, yeah, we're we're looking at dropping it on Tuesday as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives since we record uh, the week before, like you guys do. It it gives us an opportunity to make edits over the weekend. Right, oh, excellent. And where can people find you? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, we're we of course have a website, and uh, the website is commanderinmtg.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, and that's at commanderinmtg. I know there's a pattern forming here. <laughs> I'm break that pattern though. Um, eventually. Our email address, you can get us just at cast at commanderinmtg.com. 
And at Facebook, we couldn't get Commander and MTG. Instead, we're Facebook.com slash Commander and MTG podcast. Ah, very nice. So, And for all of you listeners, yeah. of course, all these links will, of course, as always, be in the show notes. So right. you don't need to memorize them right now. You can go find them later. No, memorize them. <laughs> Remember them. You will never be able to find them again. Just kidding. Uh, and Phil, you have your own Twitter account. Also, uh, what, what's, your, what's your Twitter name? Oh, my Twitter name is at uh, Ketjak. I'm going to have to spell that. It's K-E-T-J-A-K. Yeah, you've um, it seen... It comes from a... Uh, we've we retweeted some of his stuff before, so you guys may have seen the name floating around. You'll probably see us retweet yeah. um, the announcements for this stuff when, when Phil does also. So mm-hmm. if you follow us on Twitter, it'll be pretty easy to find Phil and the uh, Commander in uh, podcast. So uh, that'll make it a lot easier. You yeah. have, again, you do not have to write this down or remember it. <laughs> huh. Yeah, cool. I really appreciate that, guys. And uh, I'm looking forward to having you guys on on our podcast as well. We would be very happy and honored to be guests. So thank you very much. I can guarantee it'll be a blast. We only have three forbidden topics in part because the British uh, the British worship a strange goddess queen. Um, but we're not allowed to talk about religion, politics, or Hearthstone. <laughs> ah, the third one is wait, where, where wait, you wait, really wait. Can we here. talk about EDH <laughs> politics? <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. EDH politics, but not real politics. We never, ever talk about those. <laughs> of course, okay. that, that works for Fair me. Enough. Yeah, I'm down with that. Great, so make sure you guys <laughs> check out Phil's new endeavor. All the stuff is going to be in the show notes. We'll also be retweeting it at CommandCast. And thanks, Phil, for letting us know about it. I'm excited to hear you guys' inaugural episode and uh, keep up with y'all. Thanks a lot. I can't imagine a better way to announce this Woo-hoo! than with you guys. Um, I'm I'm. Uh, as you know, I'm a super big fan, so yeah. this tickles me a great deal. Oh, thanks. And, of course, yeah, thanks, I am of the mentality, as is Wedge and Tolarian College and all those guys, that the more content, the better, because we are always a growing community. There should never be any uh, limiting of what's we're, what we're putting out there because, you know, we want this game to grow, and all this stuff helps promote that growth. Yeah, not at all. And I'll, Absolutely. Also, like, personally, I was super bummed when the Five Commanders uh, stopped broadcasting so this is like filling a hole in my life here where i was like (laughs) well what do i do now there's a whole show gone every week and now i know so thank you phil oh you're welcome and again thanks for having me on totally okay cool i'll see you i'll see you in about a week yes i will see you in in vegas Vegas. actually by the time this comes out we'll see you two days from the release of this podcast yeah you're giving away our secrets you're giving away (laughs) that this isn't live (laughs) live oh my gosh That oh Josh just oh, no. gave me a headache <laughs> thinking about that. <laughs> you didn't give Eli. Hey, I'll, you didn't give I'll Eli a headache. Eli's like, I wish it was live. Yeah, <laughs> no edits. <laughs> <laughs> Eli's a real trooper. He does such a great job on your show. He does. He He's really a great, does. Great dude. All right. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much, Phil. We will talk to you soon. And if you guys are going to be at the Vegas, you get to meet Phil as well. And hopefully we'll see you guys all there in a couple of days. Also, you can team up with Jimmy and I against Phil rather than the other way around. Yes, that would be wonderful. (laughs) I'm in on that deal. We're the ones giving away the prizes, right? We hold the power. We're going to so get teamed up on and destroyed. (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing. Just prepare to lose every game, dude. Yep. Pretty much. I can't (laughs) wait. I'm I'm already ready. I I play just to play. Yeah. It'll be fun. All right. Cool. All right. Thanks, Phil. All right. Talk to you soon, buddy. Cool. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Thanks for coming on, Phil. Really appreciate it.
And one last thing before we move on to our main topic. Uh, we are on YouTube now. We've put out all, all our videos on the YouTube channel. And by the way, we've had an amazing first week. I think we're already above 500 subscribers. Yeah, we're close to 1,000, um, I think, now. Huge thank you to Wedge from The Man Source for shouting us out uh, at the beginning of one of his videos. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was awesome. Your fans, Wedge, I will just say this, are some of the coolest, nicest people because they've all been commenting on random videos, and they're always constructive and contributing to our, towards the conversation. So you can't ask for much more than that. Yeah, it's it's been pretty awesome. And if you didn't know, uh, recently, in fact, only the last two episodes and now this episode, we switched our background mm-hmm. for our videos. So w- what we did is we did some animations on some of the uh, magic art. And if you haven't checked it out, I mean, I'm biased because I did some of them, but it's pretty cool, the animation. So it's worth just heading over to YouTube, um, checking out one of the newer videos just to see those cool backgrounds. And, you know, if you want to hit the subscribe button while you're there, I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, and uh, we've actually had uh, someone from the community be incredibly gracious and actually help us animate some of these as well. Uh, Jeffrey Palmer, uh, if you guys watch the video, there are some uh, sweet card animations. He takes the individual parts like we have, but he makes them super dynamic and sort of like a short two to three second sort of animation of a card. Uh, And we're going to start using those for like transitions and stuff. But huge shout out to Jeffrey Palmer. Um, Very sweet stuff. Yeah, I'll put some of his links in the the show notes below. So make sure you guys go check out his channel too and give him a shout out for doing sweet animations. All right, let's do, let's do a deck tech. Let's talk about a mean, mean, mean deck. Joyra of the Gitu. Um, Yeah, let me read her really quick. So Joyra of the Gitu is one... And is it, so one, a blue, and a red, three mana total for a 2-2 legendary creature, human wizard. It says, tap two, exile a non-land card from your hand. Put four time counters on the exiled card. If it doesn't have suspend, it gains suspend. And what suspend is, is at the beginning of your upkeep, remove a time counter from the card. And then when the last uh, time counter is removed, you can cast it without paying its mana cost. If it's a creature, it has haste. So this card comes in during your upkeep, correct? So if it's a creature, it's it's not like you have to play in your first main phase. Right. You play it as soon as that time counter comes off. In fact, there are multiple ways to take time counters off at a time that's not your upkeep. Mm-hmm. Uh, time counters naturally come off one at a time during your upkeep. But if you have other cards that mess with time counters, and there are quite a few, then you can do some tricky things and bring cards into play at, at times when they wouldn't normally be able to. Right. Um, so... This deck is very much in the theme of, well, I think we all build a deck like this at some point. Yeah, I think usually early in your career, especially yes. if you've played a couple games lost with a fun deck, you think to yourself, I need to build a deck that, that wins. And and not just the meanness of it, but the way that these type of decks win. And I would put it in the category of like Jaleva, Rakdos, uh, Narset. Narset, yeah. It's, the, it's those decks where you want to put really big spells into the deck and you're using a general that cheats the mana cost bypasses yeah. natural mana costs and suspend is one of these mechanics that is incredibly powerful because when you're suspending a card with joyra you're putting it in a zone where very few players are able to interact with it very few cards can interact with that card so if someone had like hand disruption they can't really do much about what joyra is doing with these cards yeah, and you'll notice it costs two mana for her to basically suspend a card. And so, you know, there was a lot of text there. I'm just going to boil down what she does. You pay two mana, and you take a card from your hand, and then in about four turns, it's going to come into play. Yeah. So you can put a really big Eldrazi for two mana on, you know, turn four, and then on turn eight, it's just going to come out. 
mm-hmm. you won't have to pay mana when it comes out. This is one of the more broken mechanics that's ever been created. Yeah. Um, in limited, it's a total house. And yeah, exactly. You saw a lot of that with the first Modern Masters. And speaking of Modern Masters, a lot of the cards that you'd want to cheat out with Joyra are being re-released. Yes. Uh, so that's a, it's a great way to put stuff out. Um, also notably, let's not forget, she doesn't have to tap when she does this ability. So by turn five, you're exiling two cards from your hand. Yes, and- that's actually a really good point. Oftentimes you'll play her and you'll have ways to immediately activate her two, three, four times. Oh, and so you'll just put four cards into exile. And then it's just like... It's almost like a bomb that's ticking down. Yeah. Everyone can see like there's these four huge cards that are going to come into play in a couple turns. And if they can't do anything about it, you know, sometimes you can just win when they come in. So, yeah. So one of those first bombs or sort of the first category that Josh has listed here is big and flashy cards. Uh, and we're not just talking flashy like they're really shiny and pretty. We're talking flashies and they they blow stuff up and they cost a lot of mana. Yeah. They're the type of cards that you always think about when you play EDH, which is like these huge cards that you'd never be able to play these 10 mana cards. Yeah. You know, and speaking of the new modern master set, um, yep. our first guy is, or girl or thing. I don't know if Ulamog has a gender, but it's Ulamog, the infinite hero. He is the most d- delicious hero you've ever eaten. Is it hero? No, it's gyre. <laughs> <laughs> But I do like to think of him as the giant, just Mediterranean. Just pressed between some pita bread. <laughs> yeah, some falafel. He's going to eat us as a hero. We'll call him Falafel happen. the Infinite Hero. Uh, <laughs> he's an 11 drop Eldrazi. That's a 10-10 legendary creature. When you cast him, you can destroy target permanent. So already pretty good. And remember, when things come off suspend, you do cast them. You Correct. just cast them without paying their mana cost. So you do get that. Yeah, which is really nice. Um, it also enters the battlefield and all that stuff. Uh, indestructible. And he has Annihilator 4, so whenever he attacks, defending player sacrifices 4 permanence. And when Ulamog is put into a graveyard from anywhere, its owner shuffles his or her graveyard into his or her library. And this is on most of all the Eldrazi because they don't want you reanimating these guys from the graveyard. Yeah, they don't want you to just be able to dump them in the graveyard, cheat them out like super early. Instead, cheat them out with Joyra. Yeah. uh, Ulamog is in the deck, obviously, because he's just a big thing you can cheat out. You can put Kozilek in. I don't have him just because I don't own him yet, but hopefully I will soon. Yes, definitely. Um, Here's another one. There's a, a Tide Spout Tyrant. He's five and three blue, so eight total for a five-five creature Jin. He's a fly. He flies, five-five flyer for eight. What? But he says whenever you play a spell, return target permanent to its owner's hand. Ooh. So from then on, you're just bouncing stuff anytime you play anything. Mm-hmm. So very, very powerful effect. And a card like that's actually kind of hard to play in a deck that uh, asks of you to have three blue mana. Right. Um, so it's actually nice because you can have very little blue in this deck and still play a card like this. Uh, by the way, this deck does not have a little bit of blue. It's got a lot. <laughs> yeah, but it only costs you two mana to suspend it. It doesn't matter. It's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Blatant Thievery is the next card. Four and three blue. So four blue, blue, blue for seven total com- converted mana cost. It's a sorcery for each opponent. Gain control of target permanent that player controls. Oh, yes. We're not just talking about creatures here, guys. We're talking about permanence. Permanence, yeah. It uh, also doesn't say until end of turn. Yeah. You just get something from everybody. You the Oracle the... text actually says this effect lasts indefinitely. Yeah. So <laughs> so you just get it unless they homeward path or something. You just get the best thing everybody's got. Yeah. Yeah, very powerful. Um, the next one is Thought Reflection. Thought Reflection is four and three blue for an enchantment. It says, if you would draw a card, draw two cards instead. Why sounds, not? Just have pretty good. just have just have double the amount of cards you were gonna get. Yeah, and that uh, stacks really well with other effects like Ristic Study mm-hmm. and uh, you know even like Brainstorm and stuff will just draw you extra cards. 
Yeah, that's actually really sweet. Yeah. Um, Kendirect Leviathan is the next one, six and two blue creature Leviathan. When Kendirect Leviathan comes into play, return all other non-land permanents to their owner's hands. He is essentially a cyclonic uh, rift. Cyclonic rift, yeah. But he costs eight mana, so that's why you want him in this deck. It and returns he... yours also. It's not just opponents. Yeah, exactly. And the beauty about this card is he also has unearth. So for six in the blue, which actually is one less. Then he actually costs, you can return this card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste, and then you exile it to the uh, next end step. But you essentially get to have this effect twice. And right. Cyclonic Rift costs six to do, and this costs seven to do from the graveyard. This card is actually just really good in general. Yeah, it's very strong. Well, let's. this is a good time to talk about some intricacies with Suspend. So Kedrek's Leviathan, it bounces all other non-land permanents, yours included. So what happens is right. everyone gets their lands, but everything else goes back to their hand, and you end up with a 5-5. Five, five which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. But the way Suspend works is I get to stack how my Suspend cards come out of Suspend if they've all got zero time counters on them at the same time. So if I cast Joyra, and then the next turn I Suspend two cards, and one's Kedrek Leviathan and the other's Ulamog, what I can do is stack it so that Kedrek Leviathan comes in first, bounces everybody else's permanence back to their hand, and then Ulamog lands. So now I, I have an Ulamog and the Leviathan out. So you can imagine if I can suspend four or five cards, now all of a sudden Kederic Leviathan is coming in, bouncing everything, but I've got five or six things out. That's the way to really abuse the card with suspend. And then... You're controlling the board wipes is kind of what the idea is. Yes, when they happen, because your stuff that's on suspend is sort of protected from whatever's about to happen out there. And Mm -hmm. that we're going to... So the next category we're going to go into, the next category we're going to go into really takes advantage of this. And this is the mean part of the deck. This is actually how the deck really works and for the most part closes out the game very quickly is because of this part right here. I mean, this is the type of deck that can win on turns six-ish, you know, Mm -hmm. if you get really good draws. Um, Or just make it on turn six that everyone has to draw ridiculously well in order to beat the deck. Yeah, Yeah. because everything's off the board. You have an Ulamog and they have to top deck a removal spell to kill it or whatever. Right. So I'm calling the next category the mean part. (laughs) So the first, um, and they're all very similar cards, so we'll go through a few of them. The first one is Yockelhops. Yockelhops. A very famous card. Everyone hates it. It's four and two red for a sorcery. It says, well, it says bury, but now it says destroy all artifacts, creatures, and lands. And I'm assuming creatures can't be regenerated because that's what buried means. Uh, None of them can be regenerated. Oh, right. If you could regenerate a land, that'd be sweet. Um, (laughs) So it's it's destroy all artifacts, creatures, and lands. Oof. So again, this is how you stack it. You've got two or three things on suspend. Two of them are creatures and one's Yakalhops. You have Yakalhops resolve first. It blows away all creatures, artifacts, and lands. And then Ulamog comes out. And then another big creature comes out. And now nobody even has lands. So if you've got Ulamog and another huge creature and everyone else has no lands, how are they supposed to do anything about those guys? Yeah. So they just have to hope to draw their, you know, very uh, cheap removal spells. And even then, it's not really. And the land to cast it. And the land to cast it. Yeah, the right land. Um, In general, whenever you can reset the game and then still be, it's like, hey, let's start the game over, except I have Ulamog out. Yeah, you're going to win. Yeah, you're going to find yourself winning a lot because he's also blowing up every permanent they have. Yeah, they're like, play a land, go, and you're like, attack you, sacrifice your land. (laughs) Crap. (laughs) Yeah, they could even have like a semi-good start. You know, they've like, all right, play an exploration, do this, this, and then you're like, uh, Ulamog swings at you, destroy it all. Yeah, if if you can't play five things, you don't get to keep anything. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Pretty brutal. Uh, Next up is, uh, is Obliterate. 
also brutal. Six and two red for a sorcery. Obliterate can't be countered. Very important. Mm-hmm. Destroy all artifacts, creatures, and lands. They can't be regenerated. So it's Jockle Hops, uh, but for two extra mana, and it can't be countered. You don't actually care about the extra mana because you're suspending it for the same price. So yeah. it doesn't matter. There's Devastation. It's five and two red. Destroy all creatures and all lands. Uh, the last one is Decree of Annihilation. It's eight and two red. And it says, remove all artifacts, creatures, lands, graveyards, and hands from the game. That means exile. Sorry, that's uh, Oracle text. And you can also cycle it for five and two red. And if you cycle it, you can just destroy all lands. Cycling on that card is really nice. Um, One thing that I should mention is that in this game, if it ever does get to the late turns, let's say people just keep removing Joy or whatever, your cards are all really good top decks. Because if you have enough mana to play these ridiculous cards, then you are in great position. Yeah, it, it is a really good point. It's because once you're around turn eight or nine and you just have the amount of mana to just straight cast this stuff, yeah. all your stuff is super powerful. Indeed. So uh, one thing uh, that is very important in this deck is like, okay, sure, we put four time counters on. It doesn't mean we have to wait four turns for all this stuff to happen. Everyone's going to know exactly when it happens, and they're going to be able to plan for it or maybe try and shut you out of the game beforehand. So we have our next category, time twisting. Ooh, playing with time. Playing uh, with time. Which means taking, uh, finding ways to get rid of these counters, uh, these time counters on uh, these, these spend, spend cards and get them out a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first up is aptly named Joyra's Time Bug. It's a two-drop artifact creature. It's a one-two. And you can tap it to choose target permanent you control or suspended card you own. If that permanent or card has a time counter on it, you may remove a time counter from it or put another time counter on it. So you're mostly going to remove, but sometimes the other two. Yeah, you will usually remove, but once in a while, you need things to stack up so they're all coming off their time counters at the same time. So maybe like on one turn you suspended something and the next turn you suspended two more things. And so now you actually want to add a time counter to the one just so that you want it to resolve right. on the same turn as the other two. So Or something happens and you're like, wait, I don't want that to come out right now. Let's, you know, let's push the clock, the doomsday clock as it is back a little bit. Yeah, very good point. Um, the next one is Rift Elemental. It's a creature elemental for one red. It's a one one. But it says you pay one in a red and you can remove a time counter from a permanent you control or suspended card you own, and then Rift Elemental gets plus two, plus zero until end of turn. So you don't care so much about the pump, although you Mm -hmm. might just smack somebody with it if they're open, but what you can do is you can just pay four mana and take two time counters off something. Yeah. And that can be really surprising because people are like, okay, in in three turns that thing comes out, and you're like, no, actually, next turn it comes out. Yeah. That that is quite nice, actually. Yeah. Uh, not having to tap it too is very useful. Um, next up, we got Paradox Haze. This is probably the one card when you played it. I had no idea this is this the... ever existed because yeah. you would never play this except in such weird cases. And this is exactly one of them. It's an enchantment aura where you enchant a player, and it says at the beginning of enchanted player's first upkeep each turn, that player gets an additional upkeep step after this one. So you just get two upkeeps. Yeah, a.k.a. two time counters get tossed off a card. So off all your guys. So that's yeah. super powerful because if you have three cards suspended, it's removing one from each twice. Twice, yeah. So it, instead of four turns, it's a two-turn clock yep. for these cards to get out. Wow, that is pretty good. Again, you, you can just so much change what everyone thinks going to happen. You play it. They're like, okay, we got four turns. And then you play that card, and they're like, uh-oh, next mm-hmm. turn. You know, it just yeah. really messes with messes with time. <laughs> Uh, the next one is Clock Spinning. It's one blue for an instant. It says, choose a counter on target permanent or suspended card. Remove that counter from that permanence or card or put another one of those counters on it, but it has buyback three. So if you pay four mana, when this 
card resolves instead of going to the graveyard it goes to your hand yeah not to mention it's an instant so you're able to do it at end step uh, yep. and then do it again immediately during your upkeep after you untap yep. uh, so you can actually i believe you can stack it so that yeah it's during your upkeep mm-hmm. you guys so if it goes down to one and then you untap play clock spinning again buy it back again then the card has zero then it doesn't matter and you cast it yep yeah so you can take it from three to zero and an end step upkeep and playing this card twice for four mana that. yeah yeah with the buyback buyback is so very very powerful. one of the more broken mechanics also yeah time crafting uh guess what we were crafting with time here x and a red for a instant choose one remove x time counters from target permanent or suspended card or put x time counters on target permanent or a time counter on a suspended card so that's nice you can either add or subtract as many as you pay mana for so mm-hmm. you can just this one is an instant like right now i need this card i'll just take all the counters off it yeah exactly um not to mention instant speed always great we always talked about why instant speed is just so much better in this case and the fringe cases where you do want to put the time counter on something it's nice because now you can be like i want exactly three counters on this yeah and, and i would say like there's quite a number of times like okay yeah 75 percent of the time you're taking a counter off mm-hmm. but there's there's a decent amount of time where you're like, I'll just add one because I want all the stuff to line up. Yeah. Um, and you get to fulfill your magical Christmas land that much more when you do Yeah, that. exactly. It's so much cooler when it's like, okay, six things come off as a spend. I stack them this way. Here's what happens. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's just more impressive. Um, That's quite nice. So the next category I'm calling Cheated Out. Cheated Out. And these are cards that just simulate Joira's effect. So they cheat huge things out into play in other ways. There are decks and there are cards that will mess with Suspend and how Suspend works. And also, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but Joira herself is scary enough that people will go after her. And, and in the Tuck days, it was really tougher. Uh, it's still tough now if they if they really concentrate on her. So you want some cards in the deck that can still get your big stuff online uh, so that you're not completely reliant on her. Um, and the first one is an interesting card. It's called Aetherplasm. It's two and two blue for a 1-1 one, one creature illusion. It says... Whenever Aetherplasm blocks a creature, you may return Aetherplasm to its owner's hand. If you do, you may put a creature card from your hand into play, blocking that creature. Whoa. So it just cheats something huge in its place. And it forces people to not be aggressive at you either. Yes. It's almost like a propaganda because they don't know mm-hmm. what you've got in your hand and they don't want to let you just put Kozilek out. Right. So they're like, uh, I just won't attack you. It's just not worth it because I don't know what you <laughs> might put out there in Aetherplasm's place. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Quicksilver Amulet, which is a card that, when I first started playing EDH, found its way into every deck I made mm-hmm. because I was like, this is awesome. This is an repeatable effect that I always want to do and then slowly started making its way out. But this is definitely one of those decks that you want to put this kind of card in. It's a four-drop artifact where you can pay for and tap it and you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. Uh, good in decks like Joyra, good in decks like Kalia, mm-hmm. um, just because it's great insurance if your general isn't there and, you're, and you still want to do some n- nuts busted stuff. It just says all your creatures cost four mana now. Mm-hmm. Colorless, too. Colorless also, yeah. Um, not to mention, too, like it, it, if you need to get a card out now and you can't mess with the time counters or you don't want to suspend it, sometimes you do want to have the option to be able to cheat something out immediately. Yep. And um, with Quicksilver Amulet, I believe you can also put something out at, on the end step or whatever because it is. Yes. Yeah. So that it also sort of gives you pseudo flash for one creature, which is mm-hmm. very powerful also. Um, the next one is called Omen Machine. It's a six drop artifact. It says players can't draw cards. What? Why are you playing this card? At the beginning of each player's <laughs> draw step, that player, player exiles the top card of his or her library. If it's a land card, the player puts it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, the player casts it without paying its mana cost. Wow. 
This is just a let's play the odds. I believe that my cards are bigger and more expensive than yours, mm -hmm. so I'm just going to get a lot more out of this than you are. And not to mention, you're going to force some people to play a an instant counterspell. Yeah, it, it turns <laughs> off like... all counterspells. Uh, not all. The ones you already had in your hand mm -hmm. are yeah, fine, but, it just, but otherwise... It just forces people to do stuff that they may not necessarily want to do or like hold something in their hand and be like, oh, crap, I guess I will play this like burn spell or whatever right now for a minimal amount of damage. It's also a really good card to drop after you've done the suspending. So you play Joyra, suspend four things, oh, and then right. drop Omen Machine, and it's like, well, if you don't have the answer in your hand, it's going to be really tough because if you draw it, and let's say it's a counter spell, it's not going to. You, you have to play it right now, mm -hmm. so it's, you can't do that. So, and if it's a, if it's a Swords to Plowshares, you need to play it. Right, so, right, yeah, so very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it also I realize any spells with X in them just suck. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't get to uh, pay yep. X for it, I believe. Um, next up, we have Braids, but not the banned one. It's Conjurer Adept, 2-2 two two blue. It's a 2-2 two two legendary creature human wizard. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player may put an artifact, creature, or land card from his or her hand onto the battlefield. Yes, exactly what this deck wants to do. Thank you, Braids. Uh, there's also a reason that people build decks around you, because yep. you're terrifying. Yep. And normally, Braids, one of her downsides is she's in blue. Mm -hmm. And so you can run into deck because blue does have some big creatures, but it doesn't have as many as some of the other colors. And so you can run into these situations where, like, if she's my general, I'm in mono blue. Yeah. You know, you're kind of forced to play Eldrazi or like Blightsteel Colossus. Yeah. Which are stuff. still awesome, don't get me wrong. But yeah, you don't get like green monsters or whatever. Imagine if Braids was any of those colors. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's go to the my favorite category. I believe it's yours also. Yep. The cards you might not think of. But how do we do this category if we haven't thought of the cards? Well, I'm, by you, I mean the listener. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Makes um, a lot more sense now. This was actually one on our Overperformers episode with Wedge from mm -hmm. the Mana Source. Uh, I think we mentioned this deck, too, with this. Yeah, I think we did. So the card is called Braid of Fire. It's one and a red for an enchantment. It says, cumulative upkeep. Add red to your mana pool. And we've explained cumulative upkeep before, but I'll do it again it means at the beginning of your upkeep, put an age counter on this permanent. Then you sacrifice it unless you pay its upkeep, upkeep cost for each age counter on it. So it grows. Mm -hmm. So on the first turn, it has one age counter, and it adds one red to your mana pool. On the second turn, it has two age, age counters and adds two red. So five turns later, it's adding five red to your mana pool during your upkeep. Now, this used to be bad because of mana burn. Mana burn was an old concept, an old rule in magic that if you had unspent mana at the end of any of your phases that you couldn't spend, then it would do one damage to you for each unspent mana. But they yeah. decided that that was complicated, and really that rule barely ever came up, so they just mm -hmm. abolished it. So there's a whole bunch of old cards that basically are trying to punish you by giving you mana burn that just don't actually do anything anymore, so there's, they're all upside. Braid of Fire is one of them. The complicated thing about Braid of Fire is that it gives you the mana during your upkeep. Yeah which is generally not as useful because you can't cast creatures with it or enchantments or most artifacts unless they have flash or something. Yeah, Vidalcan Orrery is a card that you would want with this one. Yeah, but Joyra, her ability is an instant. Ooh. So the two mana to suspend something and put four time counters on it, you can do during your upkeep. Mm -hmm. So that's what you do with Bray of Fighter is you get Joyra out and then it makes activating Joyra like very easy and very cheap. Right. Same thing goes also for Rift Elemental if you need to spend the mana to yep. be getting rid of the time counters in another way. Yep. So Braid of Fire, yeah, that card is so silly because the first turn you play it, you're like, that sucks. 
And then by turn four, you're like, oh gosh, Josh is just, he's able to put out like eight things from his hand if he has the card draw to support it. Ah, terrifying. Yeah, I, I think it's it's maybe not the, but it's a top three or four most powerful card in the deck. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, Time Sifter is next, a five drop artifact. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, each player exiles the top card of his or her library. The player who exiles the card with the highest converted mana cost takes an extra turn after this one. If two or more players' cards are tied for the highest cost of the tied players, repeat this process until the top uh, until the tie is broken. So everyone flips the top card, highest mana cost, they get the next turn. Yeah, which is probably going to be you again it's for the most part. It's very often going to be you because you're playing a bunch of dudes that cost 9 and 10 mana. Yeah, just so we don't flip over your Joyra's Time Bug or whatever. <laughs> or I Ray mean, the Fire, I guess. Every once in a while, you don't get the next turn, and then you get the turn after that one. I, we've yeah. seen games where Time Sifter comes out, and literally like it goes, it's my turn, it's my turn, it's my turn, it's Jimmy's turn, it's my turn, it's Jimmy's turn, it's my turn, it's my turn, it's Jimmy's yeah. turn. You know, Because there's just two decks that have high casting cost stuff, and nobody else does. Mm-hmm. So it's a very crazy card that can do like weird stuff, but Ultimately, you come out ahead because the average converted mana cost of your stuff is so much higher than most decks. Yeah, and you're actually taking use of the extra turn a lot more than someone else might, because someone else might be having like have no cards in hand and just be top decking each mm-hmm. card and like hoping they can play that card this turn. In your case, you have like four different time bombs going off, and they're all ticking down, and this is just helping you get closer to it. So it's a nice way to both guaranteed get extra turns and have it be repeatable. Yep. Um, and the last one is an interesting one. I don't think most people put it in. It's Cauldron of Souls. It's a five-drop artifact. You tap Cauldron of Souls. You choose any number of target creatures, and each of those creatures gains persist until end of turn. Woo. Yeah, and this is just a protection plan against board wipes and also against your own board wipes. So you can't, oh, al- nice. you can't always craft it so that everything comes off a of suspend at the same time and you stack it so a big board wipe happens, destroys all their lands and all their creatures, and then mm-hmm. your guys come into play. Sometimes you've got creatures out, but you still want to play Yuckle Hops. So what you can do is you can give all your guys persist and so your guys live through that since you've got so many board wipes in the deck. Now, some exile, so those ones obviously won't work with it, right. but the reason Cauldron of Souls is so good is because some say cannot be regenerated. Well, persist is not the same as regeneration, so persist still works. Yeah, that's definitely very true. Uh, Cauldron of Souls too is just in, in general a great card in a lot of decks because I feel like it's not played enough. I don't see it. Yeah, enough and yet. the thing is, like, it doesn't cost man to activate it. So for five mana, you just get this ability out there that says you cannot board wipe me for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and, any, anyone that's like a one one is of course not coming back, but otherwise it's great. Otherwise it's great, and also it does have political ramifications in mm-hmm. that you can save other people's stuff because it says choose any number of creatures so you don't have to just only choose your own you can be like uh, i'll save my three guys and hey you want to keep your two guys yeah what are you gonna do for me okay you can keep them yeah exactly and hope so. they don't swing at you after don't break your trust don't break your promises people yeah exactly um how do we beat this deck josh uh, i would say this you don't really <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to because jackal hop yeah the, there's a couple ways to beat this deck there's one way we don't talk about enough which is just you have to keep the general in check so keeping joyra in check and mm-hmm. the whole table will probably have to come to an agreement to do it. Uh, Joyra only costs three mana, so it's tough. But you can just sort of make the agreement that, like, we're just not going to let Joyra sit out there. Mm-hmm. Because it'll become pretty mana intensive. And most of the time, you play her, and you need at least one turn to untap with her to suspend all your stuff. Right. So that's the first thing I would say. And the second is, you do cast the suspend cards. So when they come, when they have no age counters and you cast them without paying their mana's cost, they are cast, so you can counter them. And you see them coming. Oof. So it's not like normal spells where you're like not ready. 
a lot of times you're like, I know there's a there's a world fire mm-hmm. and it's about to come off suspended in a turn or two. And so if you just hold up your counter magic, then you know you can catch it and when you're going to catch it. Yeah, that that is interesting. Um, well, the nice thing is that you're able to do that. The sad thing is that you're not going to be able to predict because the deck has multiple ways of out of nowhere being able to rush a card into play when you're not ready. Yeah. So you might like set up your board and be like, great, now I have my, um, you know, like my wizards out for my patron wizard to counter this guy or whatever. Uh, but it's just too late. You and then, yeah, they, one they play one of those early. instants that takes two extra time counters off, and you thought you had two turns, and yeah. now you don't. And being aware that they have that ability, so you actually will have to hold your counter magic up maybe two turns earlier than you think. Yeah, exactly. This deck does have the ability to just out of nowhere smack you in the face for you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 20, make you sacrifice some permanence. I mean, it can um, out of nowhere destroy the entire board. Yeah, you know, and have a 12-12 sitting there. So that's, yeah, it's very powerful. Um, let's talk about fighting through their disruption. So how to combat what they're trying to do to you. Uh, they're trying to keep Joyra in check. The really important thing is is to only play Joyra when you have a good plan for like, okay, I'm going to play her. And if they don't counter her, if they go to kill her right away, I know that I have enough mana to suspend at least one or two things that are important. Yeah. You yeah. know, so you get something out of it. Um, you know, instead of playing her on turn three and just hoping that you untap with her. That's a very dangerous way to go because if they remove her, now she costs five. Then once you play her on the five turn, if they remove her, she costs seven. And now you're not even cheating stuff into play anymore. You're just playing a seven <laughs> drop. So you have to be smart about it. Yeah, and I think the best way to do is to do it is just team up, honestly. Because yeah. you do need someone else to help you focus one person down. It's very hard for a lot of decks to just single-handedly kill one person, unless that's the exact goal they're built for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Voltron decks, um, dedicated aggro decks, I don't know why you would do that in EDH. But yeah, focusing, focus firing, just making sure you get the person down before the clock ticks to zero and Doomsday has begun. Well, and that's one thing about the deck is like you suspend three things and then everyone can see that's going to hit all of them. And it's very yeah. hard at that point to make, like if you're the Joyer player, it's yeah. very hard to be like, no, <laughs> dude, you're fine. It's like, you're going to kill all my stuff. I'm coming after you. I mean, I guess you're the kind of deck that it's your modus operandi is some people just want to see the world burn. Yeah. And you, like, ex- you exactly just want to do that. You don't really care otherwise. It's like I turned the key on the nuke. There's no stopping it. Yeah, the clock's going down, yep. and I have ways of making the clock faster. I know it's twisted, but hey, I got to okay. do something. So there's no negotiating now. Yeah, certainly. The best thing about knowing when something is coming with suspend, and maybe the best way to fight this deck is that you can just hold up counterspell for those moments because uh, you know it's going to come in on this certain upkeep, or you can sort of time it out based on what cards they have on the table, like Joyer's Time Bug and stuff. So you know that, like, okay, cool, we have one turn, maybe two if he doesn't activate the Time Bug, when this is going to come in. So you can just hold up a counter spell. So when the spell is cast during that person's upkeep, when the last spend timer is removed off, you can just counter it at that point. But of course, the Joyer player can also know this and hold a counter of their own. So it may be a counter war in certain times, but it is better than letting all these crazy, crazy things happen. And the other scary part is that sometimes you need to hold up like three counters because outside of that board wipe, it also has this huge thing and this huge thing coming in. So it is very difficult to combat in that way, but that is one way of sort of semi-dealing with it, or at least removing the most damaging spell out of the three or four that are coming off the stack. There's a lot of different ways to build this deck, and by a lot of different ways, I just mean more mean ways of doing it Um, because the deck doesn't have any ways, I think, that are very like fun <laughs> you know it's tough because you're she's naturally cheating huge things into play and it's sort of what do you want to cheat in um yeah you know that i put some extra turn effects in the deck that's the only deck i have that has extra turn effects yeah um 
you know, you can do things like Omniscience, which lets you play all your stuff without paying its mana cost. That's a very powerful card, very expensive um, CMC-wise, but again, she, you don't care about that because she's cheating everything out. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, I can see how, like, you can... The particulars about what cards you want to play mm-hmm. could change, but in general, it's just going to be big, broken things. Yeah, stuff like Jin Cataxius, Korogger, mm-hmm. is one of those cards. Um, and, and that card is also finds a home in Animar just because it's being able to cheat that card out is very, very powerful. I was really hoping that the whole Praetor cycle would be in the new Modern Masters because I want Jin Cataxius for the deck. I don't yeah. own one. And, you know, honestly, like, I built the deck. I tuned it one time. It's powerful enough. Yeah. So... You know that we'll have the um, the deck list up, and people are going to say what they always say, which is why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? And it's like at a certain point, I don't need this deck to be more powerful. It does what I need it to yeah. do, which is it's mean enough. Um, you know, and if I wanted to super tune it for a tournament or something, I guess that I could. But you know, we don't really do that. So I could see building this deck in a way that's directly a result of your meta being like, hey, everyone's playing this deck or this kind of deck. I'm going to build a Joyra deck that specifically hoses those strategies, so that when the time counters are coming off, people aren't necessarily complaining. They're actually rooting for it to happen sooner rather than later. It's also which could the, be fun. It's the type of deck I feel like you feel good when you have it in your in your bag. And it's like, you never feel like, oh, I'm just getting kicked around all night. If you ever mm-hmm. feel like that, you can pull this deck out and, and it'll, it'll do some stuff. I'm not saying you'll win every game, but you, can, you just have it. And it's like, yeah. also having this deck and just the threat of pulling it out might keep people in check. It's like, man, <laughs> because we get a lot of complaints and people are like, my friend plays this really mean deck and what do I do? You know, what, what do I say? How do I handle yeah. it? Blah, blah, blah. One of the ways you can handle it is have your own really mean deck that he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. And then it's mutually assured destruction. It's like, don't make me pull out my Jorah deck, man. And he's like, okay. And he pulls out a, a more, little bit more fun deck. That's actually happened if you, like, yeah. someone's like, oh, do we want to play that? Or like, we sit down with Craig and it's like, hey, Craig, maybe uh, this guy's playing for the first time. Let's not do Infect. Yeah, exactly. And like, oh, yeah, yeah, good idea or whatever. So. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes we're just like, it's the fourth game and, and you know, somebody's won two of them and we're like, screw, screw it. it. <laughs> I'm pulling out our best thing, man. Let's see what you got. Yeah. yeah everyone's coming out guns blazing, yeah. essentially. It's Those like, are actually really fun games because you never know who's going to win. Something crazy is going to happen on every side of the board. Yeah, those are the games where you're like, okay, hold on. I can't untap any of my stuff? No. Yeah, exactly. Okay, go. And then the next guy's like, I destroy all everybody's lands. And <laughs> Okay. And then the next guy, you know, counters everything anybody plays. And it's just like, those can be awesome games. Yeah. Uh, do you have Fury Charm in this deck? I do. That card is great. Yeah. Uh, if you guys don't know, Fury Charm is an instant. And it's they reprinted in Modern Masters because there was a lot of suspend cards there. Uh, it says, destroy target artifact or target creature gets plus one, plus one, and gains trample, or remove two time counters from target permanent or suspended card. Yep. So all of those are super relevant because sometimes you do need to give an Ulamog trample to kill someone, you know? Yep, totally, because with trample, he's going to hit him for 12 or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Uh, there's also Aeon Chronicler. I don't know if you guys have this guy. I think in I have that too. But you can suspend him for XX blue and X can't be zero. Oh, this is a draw cards guy, right? Yeah, and so whenever a time counters are moved from Aeon Chronicler while it's removed from the game, draw a card. So yep. you can suspend it for a ton of mana late in the game and just always make him a draw engine every upkeep. If you have like... This is a, one of those guys you would actually add time counters to instead of take them away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And I love cards like that, which are... They, they fill one of those roles we're always talking about. Mm-hmm. That's card draw. But they do it in the way that your deck... So they synergize with the rest of your deck. So instead of just putting Mind's Eye in, you put that guy in. And now right. he's synergizing with what the rest of your deck is doing. So he synergizes with Fury Charm and with you know all these other cards, Joyra's Time Bug and stuff like that. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a really smart way to go. Is well, to, Fury Charm only takes stuff away, but all but the other But sometimes you just want to bring him out. So, right, yeah. right, right. So he, right, does, right. he does interact with it. 
So yep. and not to mention every time, yeah. So you could fury charm for just like a draw two. Yep. You know, which is great. That's the best one in a red draw two red yeah. has ever had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no downsides. Uh yeah. And again, putting stuff into suspend is such a good way to save it from people getting rid of it. Yep. I mean, like people can plan their removal for it, but they're not removing it immediately. You know, sometimes you'll get a turn with it and the creature has haste when it comes in, so even better. That is actually why suspend is so broken. Uh, for creatures is just that haste factor Mm -hmm. because you suspend something on turn four and it comes out on turn eight but it means you still have eight mana available on your eighth turn to do other stuff yeah so it's pretty crazy um yeah the deck is very powerful it is fun to play but people will not like playing against it which is why you know i don't pull it out very often but it is fun to talk about mean and powerful decks sometimes yeah totally i mean what other mean decks do you have maybe we could do a little I side w- topic here yeah we, i have one other decks. i have uh derivi right and that that deck is actually more of a combo deck because it's all about tapping people down and keeping them tapped down and yeah sort of it's, it's a stacks deck, deck. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a stasis, static orb, winter orb. But I'd orb. say that has a much less chance of winning than a deck like this does. Because oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because while that deck may hinder a player, it doesn't directly just shut them out by removing all their lands, you know? like Plus, kinda... every time I pull out that deck, you pull out Animar, and Animar doesn't <laughs> any, care. Any green-blue be... is great against that deck. Because yeah, they... especially Animar, but Prophet of Crewfix, really, that deck yeah. doesn't have a lot of ways to deal with, yeah. I yeah. mean, but it does have the power to literally stop everyone else from doing anything mm-hmm. so it does have that strength it's just not the same strength as like world fire yeah stacked with ulamog coming in after that yeah pretty much and if you get rid of a couple of key pieces with that derivy deck then it kind of yeah it doesn't function as optimally what's um, your meanest deck i would say the mono red deck yeah. turn kiki jiki is pretty up there just because it's capable of going infinite by like turn four mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. If you it's very right powerful draw. yeah and it's also got like my only copy of mana crypt and stuff so the power level like really does shoot up when you have that card in the deck um that and animar probably yeah animar is not mean i don't think it's yeah. doing things in a way that people are used to that like it's hitting you with big creatures it's yeah. doing it early but it's not hindering other people from doing stuff. Animar no. plays kind of similarly to uh, a play style, I guess, I adhere to a lot being a red player, which is the glass cannon. Yeah, like yeah. You're going to fire as strongly as you can, but you can also just break apart <laughs> at the flick of a wrist. Well, and it, and the way to counter Animar is similar to Joyra in that just take care of Animar a few times mm-hmm. because Animar is your cheating big things into play deck, right? Yeah. It's doing the sim- same thing just in a different way. Yeah, and I actually don't play cards like... You would think I'd play Quicksilver Amulet in there, right. but I don't because I just want to play creatures. That's yeah. all I want to do yep. is play creatures and protect Animar. Um, and he already but does you probably have, have like Elvish Piper or something like yeah. that. Yeah, well, right? the big thing about Animar, he's... Yeah, I have Piper and I have a couple of those guys, but Animar is just straight up protection from white and black, two yeah. colors that are focused on exiling and kill spells. So <laughs> it is very hard to get rid of him sometimes. Most of the time, you just have to board wipe. I mean, yeah, because yeah. most of the pinpoint removal is going to be either damage-based, which he gets too big for really fast, yeah. or it's going to be in white and black like imagine if i played that deck against your Athreo shadow on the apostle deck oh man it would be a very one-sided battle yeah yeah because what am i gonna i don't know what you're gonna do yeah there's no <laughs> <laughs> it's white and black for one thing and also i don't yeah no i mean you be... could i i can't even think of it i'm sure there's a win condition in there somewhere you you always build those in i would probably be like a four percent chance to win that heads up you know how you know how i'd beat that deck how Hey, Craig, can you kill Animar? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Craig, you're playing Infect, right? Yeah. Clearly, you have to go. You Look, I'm giving you four turns, and that's enough to come with Infect, right, Craig? 
I mean, geez, I don't even have an Eldrazi in my deck. He's got like 12. Yeah, exactly. He can play Blightsteel Colossus at any moment. What am I going to do? I'm going to do like <laughs> get a demon into play. Woo! Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make you pay a life to not bring this back to my hand. Oh, no. <laughs> He's going to hit you in one turn and kill you. Yeah. So, See? yeah. Politics. Politics. Politics fact, is the answer to almost every problem that you have in EDH. Yeah, exactly. And we actually got an email from a listener talking about a potential topic called, like, we're going to call it, I don't know, the High Rolling Club, High Rollers. Oh, High Rollers. Yeah, where we just talk about really expensive cards but I'm at the excited. end of the day i think we're just gonna say it's a bunch of, during that podcast which is you can buy all these cards but it doesn't mean you're gonna win yeah not at all but i am <laughs> excited to talk to be a high roller yeah well you know we're going to vegas in a couple of days so we will be high rolling then Woo. oh we're gonna be high rollers by the time we leave i hope so don't yeah we both were like do, we we, both do i believe like, that i yeah, don't really believe like, that we're, and we're also both on the ends of like do we jinx it if we say we're gonna be high rollers or are we jinxing it if we say we're i hope not. so or are we not jinxing it or are we Hold on. Do we have to believe in superstition? It's bad luck to be superstitious. (laughs) It's bad luck to be superstitious. Yeah. Well, you know what? I just hope I draw well in the magic games that matter against uh, everyone. Magic games? I don't even care. I just hope I throw dice well. (laughs) What are you talking about? Magic games, man? Whatever. I'm actually, I I hope I lose my first match so that I have more time to like hang out with everybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, although we, Josh and I have both been focused on doing this. We, uh, Every time we roll the dice before the beginning of a game, we're just like, just don't roll a seven and you're good to go. Yep. You just want to get out of the practice of rolling sevens ever. Yeah. And you know, I think it works. I'm pretty sure it does. If you just focus on not rolling a seven. That's how that's how it works, right? Yeah. Exactly. That's how odds and everything work. Mm-hmm. That's All right. how the mathematical world works. We ready works. for the end step? <laughs> Let's move on to the end step. This uh, may be potentially our only end step for this week, so I guess we'll both say something cool. All right. You got something cool? Uh, no, I was hoping you'd go first. And uh, I actually find have, my cue off. And... I have two. Ooh. Um, Hit the, it. <laughs> the first one is that the Huffington Post today announced that the best beach in the United States is Waimanalo Beach, which hey, my girlfriend Elle and I, that was literally our backyard when we lived in Hawaii two years ago. And when, when I say backyard, I mean we walked out our back door, we opened the gate, and that was the be- the sand was right there. What? So we lived off of what is now, at least for right now. I don't know. It evidently changes. The best <laughs> beach in the United States. So I was pretty Was excited. it the best beach when you lived there as well? I, mean, I would say it probably was. Yeah. The reason we chose to live there is because it's a, it's just a beach that my family would go to a lot growing up. It's on, uh-huh. Oahu, it's on Oahu. I won't tell everyone where it is because the locals will not like that. Sean Marvin, local boy from Waianae. I think he said Waianae. I hope that's right. Uh, anyway, he'll probably know. Yeah. Where Bellos and Waimanalo is, uh, the beach. Was that a- near your uh, cousin or uncle's uh, shaved ice place? Or is that on another island? No, my, my, um, my cousin's shaved ice place is actually on Maui. So oh, Maui, he, okay. he's got a few, but this is on Oahu. But anyway, so it was cool. We were like, sweet. We lived, literally lived on the best beach in the United States. For this year only, potentially. Yeah, I don't know why it changes. Uh, maybe. I guess. Do you think someone goes to each of the beaches every year and it's like, hmm, I believe this beach has lost a little quality since last year. Mm, down, like, tick some marks I off, like how like, they sound like that. And also, yeah. I want their job. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty sweet job. <laughs> hey, uh, Bill, can you visit six beaches in the next two months and just tell oh, us what you like the most? Like, dang it. I got the worst oh. job ever. See, my guy sounds different than your guy. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, the sand's stuck in my toes. Oh, jeez. I got to wash my feet off after I come off the beach. <laughs> I sound like Robert Durst from the Jinx. <laughs> you do. <laughs> oh, this beach is not okay. <laughs> I got to float some body parts That's out there. That's a pretty good Robert Durst, actually. <laughs> That's not something to be proud of, by the way. We're talking about uh, a documentary called The Jinx. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about it on the Inside yeah, One, did, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
What's uh, your second end step, okay. aka my end step? Because I can't think of one. Okay, I got one for you, Jimmy. You're yeah. gonna like this one. Oh, good. So it is my end step then. Yep. Uh, Jimmy's end step is called Eli. I don't think we've given Eli enough credit on the show. Eli, yes, does all the editing for the show. He does the video and the audio. He fixes all the screw ups that we make. I mean, you guys don't hear when we're like, yeah. I, hold on, Eli. Um, yeah, hold on, Eli is a phrase that is uttered probably three to four times a podcast. Yeah, at least you guys never hear us say that, but we're yeah. always going like, uh, Eli, hold on, I'm going to re-say that, and then. Hold on, let me think of how I want to re-say yeah, that. Yeah, we are not flawless. So what At you guys all. are hearing, you, if you guys think like, wow, those guys never mess up, it's not true. We mess up all the time. <laughs> all, all the time. time. He takes out a lot of like just dead pauses when we're like trying to think of something clever or where like the guy says something and you're like, oh, you're done? Oh, okay, oh, I'll yeah, talk yeah, now. Yeah. yeah so. Or when we're trying to do the end step and we're like, hold on, what do we talk about? For a second there when you said Eli, I was like, is Josh plugging his video he did again? Oh, or no. did Josh make the video because of our editor, Eli? <laughs> <laughs> it's dedicated to him. Oh, man. The, Eli has been our most common end step. Yeah, by far. Yeah, I mean, now it's they're two different things, but now we're just confusing everybody, Jimmy. Eli, what you happened? were a two-for-one, man. You were great value as a Magic card, so thank you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, so Eli does not get enough credit. He he, he texted me today and was like, hey, man, when are we playing EDH? And I thought about it. I was like, I haven't played Commander in three or four weeks. We've been so concentrating <laughs> on uh, Modern Masters that we've been uh, neglecting our Commander playing. So yeah. when we actually, when we play... EDH with everybody in Vegas will probably be the first time we've played in a few weeks. Yeah, and it's going to be by far the most concentrated, in, probably since the time I started playing. Yeah, maybe. Uh, we For a while there, we were getting together once a week. Yeah, but I mean, Vegas is like four days straight, so pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, we're not going to play EDH the whole time, though. Yeah, well, maybe. Because Modern Masters will be out. Yep, and they're going to be cheap drafts firing $30 drafts, and I know it's not that cheap in general, but it's the best value you're going to get for the format. Because I've heard a lot of LGSs are doing upwards of $50, $60 with prize support, of course. But this does have prize support as well at the GP, and it's going to be at full retail, which is great. That's actually really great value because if you pay $30, that's what you would pay for the three packs anyway. Mm -hmm. So any chance to win anything above that is just gravy. It didn't cost you anything. Yeah, exactly. And I've been doing a lot of the uh, sealed generator packs uh, online, and they also list out the estimated value of the packs. And almost always you're placing $8, $9, $10 based on the uncommons, the foil in the pack. And so you actually have a pretty good shot of just either coming close to breaking even with the cards that you buy or get from the pack or even just clearing a ton of profit because you can open some awesome stuff. Well, let's talk about this really quick because there's been a lot of, um, a lot of, well, for lack of a better word, whining <laughs> out there about the value in, um, yeah. in modern masters and about how it's different than like it was or lower than people think. And I totally understand because wizards did put the price point at $10, which sets expectations at a certain amount. And, you Modern Masters one packs, by the way, I believe were six dollars at retail. I think they were six ninety nine. Yeah, and then but you never found them for that after like the first week or you two. You didn't even find them when they first came out. LGSs yeah. immediately marked them up because they saw that the value was much higher. So in general, the, the packs would be that cheapest around ten dollars. Right, but the thing is that a lot of the value in this new set is concentrated at Mythic, and I know that upsets upsets some people, but. That's actually the place where you want it because that's the place where the value is going to hold. So if they had put more value at lower rarities, what happens is that that, those lower rarities are open so much that it actually dilutes the price on them so they don't come out being worth what they were. Like, let's look at doubling season. Um, Doubling season was a really expensive card. I think it was around $27 to $30. 
then the first modern masters came out and doubling season was at rare and for a while it was at ten dollars mm-hmm. so when you first opened doubling season in a pack you were like sweet a 27 dollar card well that's not really precisely true because it was only worth ten dollars a, a little bit later so unless you sold it at that moment it wasn't really worth 27 dollars it was worth 10 and yeah, you have to wait two years for it to get back up to that price exactly it has slowly cli- climbed back mm-hmm. but yeah it that's value that's accrued over time for a lot of cards because a lot of cards just naturally go up over time. I mean, they don't all, but I'm, I guess what I'm saying is like, yeah, it settled around like 12 at the, at its lowest. It was, yeah, about $12. Mm-hmm. And, then and what's now, that now? now it's up to uh, 24, 25 or so. So it's almost made it back to where it was. It took two years mm-hmm. and I think it probably just spiked a little bit because it, it's not in the new set. It probably, yes, I believe yeah. so. I believe it did so, a little bit. Um, so you want the 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 real value to be at Mythic because Tarmogoyf actually went up in price, yeah. <laughs> when insane. Modern Masters One came out, and it's it's possible that something like that will happen again, or at the very least, it's going to stay at that. Now, if I mean, people are saying, oh, they should put it at different rarities and blah blah blah, well, then you're just sending a message to people that they can't invest in Magic. Like if you can't go in and buy a Tarmogoyf because you think they're going to reprint it to all hell and it's just going to, the bottom's going to drop out of it, then what happens is it's not that, it hurts your game because nobody plays modern because they go, yeah. well, I don't want to spend any money on Tarmogoyf because Wizards is going to print it into the ground and it's only going to be worth $30 and I'm going to have spent 800 So I'm instead of doing that, I'm just not going to play modern, which is not what they want. Nope. So they, they're in this really precarious position where they don't want to just destroy the market but at the same time they do want to make some of the cards more available it's such a fine line to walk it's a fine line to walk and it's also one that they're going to face criticism no matter what uh and i'm just appreciative of the fact that they are focused on creating a both a set that can reduce the value of cards enough so that people that want to buy into the format can because i mean honestly think about if you're someone that wants to buy into modern you're not just going to go buy a box of modern masters and crack the packs you better not you're going to buy the singles because you're happy that modern masters has come out because it's reducing the price of the cards that you want to get so you don't care about the ev of the set as a whole you just care about what's being reprinted so they can get in on some of these cards that are cheaper now and if you're someone that wants to draft it then you should be very happy because wizards has clearly spent a lot of time two years actually since the first draft archetypes um came out in Modern Masters 1 to make this a really fun limited environment. And from what Josh and I have played, uh, we've done Sealed and uh, Draft once. It yep. has been incredibly exciting to play and just really like, it, just holding the cards what was a joy because it was like, I can't wait to play these cards that I've drafted because the power level is so high. And it really feels like Wizards has spent a lot of time making not just like five archetypes, but 10, even like, more than that just yeah there's at least 11 archetypes and the one thing people are complaining about the limited environment um, they haven't even played it yet (laughs) they haven't played it for the most part and they're comparing it to the first one and how great the first one was and i would say the first modern master was really great to draft but there was one complaint i had about it and i think most people that drafted it more than a couple times did have which was it it felt a little on rails Mm -hmm. you know after you drafted a couple times you went well if i'm white blue i'm affinity and i'm just going to get all the affinity cards because really if you're blue red, you don't want any of the affinity cards, and yeah. if you're if you're red white, you don't want any of the affinity cards, and so you just sort of fell into the archetype, and then you just almost didn't make a ton of decisions. This limited format, totally different, not yeah. as on rails. There are archetypes, but there's a lot more contested cards. There's a lot more cards that sort of may fit into your archetype if you're sort of skewing a little bit one way or the other. It's yeah. a lot more nuanced, and for a set that costs ten dollars per pack to draft, like. You're only getting in franchise players to draft it, so it should be like this. It's like no new players drafting uh, 
modern masters don't do that they they should be drafting cons they should be drafting you know magic origins when it comes out yeah modern masters is for us it's for the people who play magic all the time and i want it to be complex yeah i do too and it's really nice because uh it actually feels like you're playing a power level similar to almost a commander deck sometimes. Like yeah, you, or you cube get, or... Or cube, yeah, you get to play with these, like... And that's why I like doing cube and stuff and, and doing those sorts of drafts is because we're used to playing with a very high power level in EDH or doing things that are really synergistic and focused on, um, you know, a color pairing or even three color or five color. Uh, and Modern Masters has proven, I think, so far to be something that does that on a yep. consistent basis. You're excited level. about like, oh my yeah. gosh, if I ever get these two cards out, this is going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And you were doing some busted stuff with uh, with some legendary creatures, actually. Some creatures mm-hmm. that made me look at you playing them and be like, wow, that'd be fun to make a deck based around this. Like there's a couple of legendary creatures in the set. There's a few, actually. Oh, there's a bunch, yeah. Yeah, I so mean... it's it's great, too. It's like extra research for a commander. Um, getting something like Endric Sar would be awesome to build a deck around. That guy's awesome. Yeah, I had that in my draft deck. Uh, he's broken and limited. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think you had a few. You had that. You had Hikari, right? And you also had the Orjav, Orjav guy. Yep. Uh, the Ghost Council. Ghost Council, yeah. yeah. So. I had like three ADH decks in one. <laughs> but And yet, Jimmy still beat me in the finals. So Yeah, it's because I had... Five color. I had a pretty wacky stuff. deck. Yeah, I had a five color good stuff. You had like an EDH deck too, because you had like four board wipes in that thing. Yeah, I had uh, World Fire, I think. Yeah. Something that... D- does four damage to everything, and then each player sacrifices four, four lands. lands. Yeah, and then not that savage, good and limited. I found <laughs> it's still pretty good. Yeah, savage, savage twister, all is dust, and Karn. Uh, so yeah. I was essentially playing, and I did first pick a lightning bolt in honor of myself. In honor of myself, <laughs> and then from there <laughs> to it, honor myself. myself. From this pack, I shall take lightning bolt, <laughs> uh, and things only got better from there. So all right, so that was a lot of fun. You can tell we're excited about Vegas because we're just talking about uh, Masters or Modern Masters this whole time. Speaking of, you should go listen to the podcast, The Masters of Modern. Yeah, they're they're getting great guests on every single week, it seems. And these are all really. I think they really upped their game uh, Mm -hmm. in the last like month or so. Their episodes have gotten a lot stronger. Those guys really hit their stride. Um, It's it's a really good podcast. I listen to it every week. Yeah, and they know what they're talking about. And the guests that they're getting on are also people that are real pros that have played this game for a long time and really know what they're talking about. Josh and I are, for all intents and purposes, are, I don't know, we're, we're kitchen table players still. Yeah. Even though we like love to think about the game in a very analytical format and teach it to people, we're still, at the end of the day, just you know having fun, playing We've got fun. like one PTQ top eight between us. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I did win a pre-sealed. There you go. Nice. Uh, oh, yeah, you did. Uh, uh, or pre-release, sorry. Pre-release, yeah. 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 Uh, I... Uh, I We've totally won some eight points. That event, I spiked the heck out <laughs> the of it. Pre-release, woo! Be the ten-year-old felt super good about myself. Uh, just kidding. I mean, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if that ten-year-old was Jack Landis, you probably would have got beat. Yeah, that's true. And there are some amazing. I saw someone. In there was a twelve-year-old that was like eight and zero at one of the GPS or something. Yeah, yeah. Showing, it's this like, kid man. that was playing. Um, a storm deck, I think, at the legacy tournament when he was, he was playing like storm. Eight. No, no, but this is when he was eight. And there's a there's a video of Gavin Verhey, who's been on the show more set wizards now, um, commentating at an SGG live or one of those events. And they're just their minds are blown because they're should watching see my kid. face right now. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. Playing storm? Yeah, I'll show you the video. This kid was sequencing his plays perfectly, and he even did a couple plays, I think, on camera that Gavin was like, yeah, I I, didn't, I could I wouldn't have come up with that as fast as he did. And I think he's he may have been that kid that uh eight owed but he's continuing to play and he clearly is a very skilled player he's the next john finkel i think yeah exactly we'll call him a baby magic instead of johnny magic (laughs) because he's so young when he started all right all right guys well we will uh 
I don't like we said. We're not sure when the next episode will be. It may be this week. Uh, it'll Hopefully, we can record next. with some of the people in uh, Vegas. That'd be awesome to have sort of like a fun, just impromptu uh, podcast. The quality may not be as high just because we're doing it on the run, but it should be a lot of fun. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right, and we'll see you in Vegas. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.